Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And today, the kid, the god, the legend himself, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, Jay King, is on vacation. He just decided to go on vacation days before the season starts. And so instead of a robust discussion about uh, and preview of the Celtics upcoming preseason game against uh, the Nets and Kyrie Irving's return to the TD Garden, uh, I decided to go Hollywood and national and join the Celt or the Athletics uh, daily show, The Daily Ding, hosted by uh, athletic reporter Jared Weiss for a little bit of a Celtics preview. So Jared and I had a discussion about today's news in the NBA, which involves a crazy man named Johnny Wilkes, who is suing Jerry West for allegedly not paying him $2.5 million to get the Kawhi deal done. Uh, wild story there. The NBA is investigating for tampering. So Jared and I talk about that, and then we get into a little bit of a preview about the Celtics. So here it is, my conversation with Jared on the Daily Ding. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Friday morning. We have all of your NBA preseason info that you need right here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm Jared Weiss. I am joined by Sam Jam Packard of the Anything is Potable podcast up in Boston on the Athletic Podcast Network. We've got Mike Smeltz in the background pushing all the buttons to make us sound good. And before we get into it, don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented year in sports. You can subscribe now and you can save by going to theathletic.com slash daily ding. And you can receive an all access subscription and get one to give for free. It's the holidays. Don't be selfish. Give away something. Why not give away a subscription to The Athletic? You get to hear this show. You get to hear anything is potable. You get to read all of our great written work. And you can do all that by going to theathletic.com slash daily ding, where you get an all-access subscription and you get to give one away for free. So coming up on today's show, we're, we're going to skip some of the boring preseason action stuff. We're going to skip all the rotation talk and all that stuff. We're going to talk about two things that are really interesting. We're going to talk about a Celtic season preview. That's why we brought Sam on the show. But before that, some huge news dropping right before we're taping this. Our very own Sam Amick is reporting that the NBA is opening an investigation into the Clippers, in particular, the one and only Jerry West, because TMZ reported earlier this week that a man named Johnny Wilkes, which is the kind of name that you would hear in a report about something shady going on, uh, that he is suing Jerry West over a $2.5 million payout that he claims he was supposed to receive for delivering Kawhi Leonard. This guy in the suit takes credit for basically giving the Clippers all the in intel that they needed to secure it between um, telling him what he was looking for as far as getting taken care of, um, most uh, importantly, knowing that he needs to get Paul George if they're gonna, if Kawhi's going to actually sign there. So, Sam, this is the second major tampering investigation that we have of the offseason, the first being the Bogdanovich thing. Uh, what do you think is going on right now? I think Johnny Wilkes is trying to wheel and he's trying to deal. I mean, the idea <laughs> that Kawhi Leonard only like worked through this intermediary person to communicate messages to the Clippers, it just seems absolutely ridiculous to me. I don't know. I don't have an inside. I'm not like Sam Amick. I don't have an inside look 
on how uh, free agent negotiations work, but it feels like that's something Kawhi's agent might communicate uh, to Jerry West and the Lakers. The the lawsuit also claims that um, Kawhi's uncle was given a house and expense account. Now that's an allegation I might be a little bit more inclined to believe, and maybe there's something there in the tampering investigation. Just the but the headline that this uh, Wheeler and Dealer Johnny Wilkes um, was gonna jo- Jerry West agreed to give him two point five million dollars. It's a little bit uh, suspect, but it's I'm fascinated that the league decided to investigate. I don't maybe they're just being very thorough, doing their due diligence, but. Uh, when I first saw the headline, uh, it seems like something that you wouldn't necessarily treat as a as a legitimate uh, allegation. Well, the first thing that's fascinating about it is that we have who uh, someone who's basically a runner in Kawhi's camp interacting with Jerry West on the dirty deeds of all, of all people. That's pretty fascinating. Um, you know, an important thing is you mentioned agent. Let's remember Uncle Dennis is the agent. Dennis Robertson is the agent for Kawhi. Kawhi is not attached to a big name agent where it would be easy to tamper because you could just talk to to that agent under the guise of discussing anything else. Uh, So you don't really have that kind of plausible deniability in the situation. But let's remember the Clippers did get in trouble for tampering a few years back when they re-signed DeAndre Jordan, where they allegedly, or I guess not allegedly because they got penalized for it they set him up with a lexus dealership at a commercial spot or something like that that he got paid a bunch of money for uh and so the league did come down on that and that was to convince that was using that was uh, that wasn't tampering as much as it was circumvention of the cap by arranging for a third-party business deal in order to give him more compensation to re-sign your own players so as bad as as important as it is to enforce circumvention rules it was still re-signing your own player while this is alleging that the entire face of the NBA was basically basically reshaped due to some illicit dealings, including multiple payouts to different people, which is like pretty strictly prohibited. I mean, maybe, I mean, why doesn't uncle Dennis need a, a house and expense account? It feels like it, it's a, <laughs> it's a really wild accusation. I just have no way of how you actually verify that information. And with this Johnny Wilk, like because uncle Dennis isn't like a, a official agency, it's very hard to be like, well, Johnny Wilkes holds a position at that agency, and thus we can see the clear lines of negotiation and where these like discussion would take play. Right now, I I just don't know what this man's connection is to Kawhi. Would I be shocked if there was some like negotiation and be like, hey, we'll we'll hook you up where Steve Ballmer money we can we can spread that around? No, but I don't know really. I, I'm I'm curious what the NBA's like investigative forces are. They subpoenaing documents right now. How are they gonna? Like, oh yeah. Do they have Absolutely. that power? They don't. So this is something I actually wrote about on the Athletic uh, last year because a year ago, a little over a, like a year, I think it was the end of September last year, they announced this like whole new regulatory regime for tampering, where they were saying that we have the power to force you to turn over your phone, to turn over your email, turn over whatever we ask you. And while they have no legal basis to do that, they can't legally compel you or throw you in jail for it. They can kick you out of the NBA for it. They can cancel your contract. They have all sorts of powers that they can do to enforce penalties upon you or take away your availability in the NBA. So, you know, they can whatever hammer they want to drop, they can drop it. And this is this is a scenario where they're really going to need to drop it if it needs to be dropped. Because according to the TMZ article, Wilkes was claiming that he was at dinner with Kawhi and Jerry West in Beverly Hills when they agreed to make the signing and 
he claims that West agreed to uh, pay over the $2.5 million at that dinner. You can't really prove that, but you can certainly prove that Wilkes was there. Like that, at least, it could be pretty easily proved that what if Wilkes was at the table. What if Jerry West was just doing a bit? Like he was just like, like fingers crossed behind his back and Johnny Wilkes didn't get the joke. Like he was just it, like, oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah, Johnny, we'll get you that 2.5. Ha ha ha, Kawhi, let's talk business. Like what? we don't know. We don't know what was happening at dinner, but we do need to know if all three of them were at that dinner. I'm just very curious about the investigation. Like would, would they really kick Kawhi out of the league for like uh, not turning over his phone? Like what, what is the fourth amendment rights of NBA players under the CBA? <laughs> I mean, can they break into his house to take his phone away? That's the biggest question. Well, the thing is, when they made those changes to the tampering rules, they didn't really spell it out. Like I wrote that this was kind of a dangerous slippery slope because they were just kind of giving the commissioner broad discretion to conduct and institute penalties, how he saw fit. And like, we, we don't know if they're going to, for instance, take draft picks away, uh, suspend him. They could suspend him. They could, they could make him a free agent in Anola's contract. I mean, there's all sorts of stuff that could happen. Um, this is blatant it, overreach by the surveillance state. And I think just as the Celtics took a stand against uh, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker in terms of uh, writing an op-ed about the use of facial technology, I think they need to take a stand in the CBA and not just let this government overreach and, and invasive into their lives. I, I stand by Johnny Wilkes in this situation and the right of the defendant. All right. Well, that's Jam Packard in favor of the accuser. So let's move on to the Celtics. Uh, they, uh, they've got a lot going on right now. They're taking a stand for uh, police reform. They're trying to not lose basketball games. They failed at that in their preseason opener against the Philadelphia 76ers. Trying to think of the score off the top of my head, but it's preseason, so I don't give a crap about this. 105-97. Now, I know there that's not right, but it was close. Close enough. Preseason doesn't matter with the scores. What matters is what we saw on the floor. And let's start with uh, with a time lord, Rob Williams. I think he's probably the person that has the most on the line, I guess, besides the guys that like the back of the roster, obviously, uh, this season. I wrote a piece breaking down his performance on the athletic going up against. He was the starting center in this game with Daniel Tyson, Tristan Thompson out. He's going up against Joel Embiid and Dwight Howard. It's the first two bigs he has to see this season. That's a test. So. You know, I, I I think you would probably agree that Rob Williams needs to prove this season that he's worth, you know, they I would be shocked if they denied his option for a fourth year. But as a team that clearly is looking to make trades, I don't think they're going to be too keen on keeping him if he just is flat again this year. So what did you see in that opener and what do you think his role is going to be or at least what he could possibly earn this year? What I saw in that opener was a man who loves jumping, and that is sometimes quite good if he's protecting the rim. Not as good when he's just jumping at half court during the like trying to get back on transition defense instead of running back. He's not in great position a lot of the times on defense, which is kind of a problem for him. And his role moving forward, I think, is going to be very interesting because the Celtics did bring in Tristan Thompson this year. They had Daniel Tice from last year, who played way better than anyone thought thought Daniel Tice was capable of. Daniel Tice played like 25 minutes a game last year. Tristan Thompson played closer to 30, I think. Are the Celtics really in a position to give more minutes to a guy at center when they basically should have 48 minutes split uh, between Tice and Tristan Thompson? Where is the role for really Rob Williams to come in? Um, 
he's clearly showed against Embiid. It's it's not like he's a huge size guy. It's not like he's going to be a strong low post defender. It's going to be interesting to see where he sticks out. The clearly the place where he excels compared to the rest of the Celtics bigs is just his verticality, his lob threat, his ability to attack the rim. I think if he's going to make an impact, he's going to have to show something more on the offensive end. Like, yes, he can jump very high. The time Lord uh, blocks everything. The man loves jumping, as I said. But if he's going to have to, like, kind of create his uh, role in the, uh, on the team, I think all teams can kind of use a third center because of injuries and all those things. But I just don't see him having, like, a, a regular role unless he has, like, proved something to be, like, dynamic force on the offensive end, a wrinkle that they can kind of turn to that teams aren't expecting. And, you know, he might not have, they might not have a defensive need for him right now because you have Tice, who probably should still be the starting center based on how well he played during the regular season last year. And then you have Thompson as he's in the same role that they wanted Ennis Cantor to fill well last year, which is he's a bruiser who can actually play some decent defense. You have him in the you know, nights when you're going up against a Joel Embiid type or you're going up against, you know, a classic under the rim, grinded out type center. So, you probably need a third guy in your rotation for when you're going super small, when you're going to micro ball, Grant Williams is probably going to be that guy. I think we're going to see Grant Williams playing the five when the team wants to go super small because he's showing that he can hit that three point shot. He's a pretty solid spot up shooter. And so if they really want to be five out and be able to have five shooters on the floor, Grant Williams is that guy. So it seems like Rob Williams is right now still stuck in that same spot. He was where if you need somebody to be a real pick and roll threat for you on offense, he's the guy that you could bring in there. Um, but yeah, right now it just, his defense is so all over the place. He just takes bad angles all the time. And, you know, there was one play I noted, which was, he was guarding Dwight Howard, who I think was like at the top of the key of the free throw line. And Dwight Howard is facing him up. And Rob, for some reason, just jumps up in the air when Dwight Howard is just kind of pivoting to face him up. The guy loves jumping. The guy just loves jumping. And he keeps (laughs) jumping up in the air when he should be low and sliding across the floor. And he just, he has this like this boundless energy that keeps getting him to pop up for some reason. I don't know what it is, but you know, if he can seize control of that and he gets, he stays healthy and he keeps playing, he could, you know, he could improve a ton over the course of the year. I mean, he's only played like, 50 or 60 games in the NBA so far, and he hasn't really played that many minutes. So him finally being healthy and available could give him a big boost. But let's talk about the other Williams because, uh, frankly, it seems like everybody at this point has been on the star Grant Williams train as the four while Kemba Walker is out. Because Kemba Walker is expected to be out at least until probably mid-January, probably even longer than that. Um, so Grant did not start. In the first game, they started Javante Green, the last guy on the roster. Everyone saw it coming, non-guaranteed. Classic Brad Stevens move. And Javante Green was actually pretty interesting. I, I he's shooting the ball now. He looked his shot looked crisp. He was hitting it. Obviously, if that's the case, and he can hit that three pointer, he becomes actually a pretty viable rotation player, considering all the stuff that he can do. So. Who do you think that Javante showed that he actually could be a, like the actual starter for the first few weeks of the season? I mean, he, he made a three pointer in a preseason game, so maybe. Uh, I I don't know if what Javante Green is going to be a starter. I think it's going to be very interesting what the Celtics do uh, in this, especially when Kemba Walker's out. Just in terms of their wing depth, that's where they're clearly there's a hole in the roster. They want Aaron Neesmith to step up. Romeo Langford is hurt, and so it's going to be a while before they get back. 
I don't know what that is going to be. I expected Graded Williams to start. I think he will start uh, moving forward. You mentioned him possibly at the five. I just don't know if they have the roster construction for Grant to play a lot at the five, considering like the Tyson time or Tice and Thompson, you think would take a lot of those minutes. Um, and so they're, what they're going to do at wing depth is going to be, uh, it's very interesting. I think that the problem is their offense is just when, J- especially when Jason Tatum's on, not on the court. And I think we saw this in the game against the Sixers when Tatum went to the bench and it was a Jalen Brown focused offense, the offense did not look great. And so <laughs> how do they score points? And if Grant Williams is playing the four and then you have one of those guys, Tyson Thompson, do you have enough floor space to really uh, have a good offense this year? I think offense is clearly, uh, and especially from the bench, is going to be the, the Celtics' biggest struggle as they head into the season, uh, especially with Kemba on the bench. So it's like last year is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a little bit worse than last year because you're not going to have Gordon Hayward to kind of step in sometimes. The thing about uh, last year, a Celtics team is pretty wild is that they never really had their core five players together, all healthy at the same time. Did not happen in the playoffs, but because of their depth, they were able to kind of continue winning games and plugging and playing this year. I think of the Celtics, if they sustain one major injury but to Kemba Walker, which they're starting the season as, uh, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, or Jason Tatum, it's going to be really bad on the offensive end and just in terms of where points come from because Tatum's going to need to really step up. He, I know he's gotten massive, like two inches taller, 35 pounds stronger over the he's offseason. Seven for four already. Yeah. People f- are forget that he's huge, but he's going to need to take, like a, a, I think, a much more of the offensive burden because especially with Kemba out, I just don't know where the points are necessarily coming from for the Celtics. Yeah, you know, you're making a great point about Jalen Brown. This is the year that he needs to show that he can really create off the dribble and be a playmaker um, and just have that comfort to get through the perimeter defense and make, you know, really break stuff up when, once he gets into the lane. And you're right. If they have a bit, if they have an anchor big who isn't spacing the floor out there, it makes it really easy for teams to try to trap him in the paint. And so maybe you do have to put him out there with a small lineup to allow him to get some second unit run because. Last year, Jason Tatum would run the second unit, and then Hayward would come in and he'd run the second and a half or third unit, or whatever. You know, they always had two good playmakers out there, um, and they're going to rely on Jalen to do a lot of that. And that could be where it really kills them. But if Jeff Teague is still doing what he did on opening night of the preseason, which is to shoot lights out and really look unwashed, he's dirty again. Like he looked like a filthy younger Jeff Teague in that game. That he could made be a huge breakthrough. He was four or four from three, and I did not know Jeff Teague did that. In my understanding of Jeff Teague, knockdown three-point shooter was not a descriptor that I generally known. I think the team is basically going to go as far as Kemba's Walker's knee is going to go. I think they need him to contribute and be able to contribute at uh, an all-star level. Like, he was an all-star last year, and I, they're still pretty top-heavy. They were top-heavy last year, and then they lost – what maybe their fourth best player, but they're still going to need their top four guys. Uh, it's a pretty good top four. It's like top uh, four, top 50 players uh, in there, but they're going to need all four of those guys to contribute if they're going to really want to make a run this year. And so, I don't know, you wrote about Kemba's uh, knee surgery. They injected him with um, stem cells. Hopefully that will be good. But as like a Celtics fan who saw him struggle uh, late in the playoffs against the Raptors and was not great in the heat series. 
I'm pretty concerned about his knee, but I just, I'm also, I'm not a doctor. So I don't, I hope he's going to recover. I think the Celtics are going to be very careful in their approach uh, in getting him back with like, it might be a month and then he'll come back with a minutes restriction. I don't think he's going to play any back-to-backs this year, but I just don't know what level he's going to be at. And if he's same old Kemba, I think the Celtics can be quite good. If he's limited, they're just, their depth is going to be, is really take a hit. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, go to the athletic.com slash Celtics, I think is a real URL to find that story on Kemba. Um, it, we had Jeff Stotts from In Street Clothes come in and and kind of go back and forth with me to really break down all the intricacies of what Kemba's situation is. It's really, it's not worth the read because I do any good writing in it. It's written terribly, but... But you should also Jeff go to Stotts. the athletic and get a yeah. Free but Jeff Stotts was very informative there, and of course you could give it yeah. So it, it really is worth a read because there's a lot of medical insight that he provides there. Uh, but the the bottom line is that Kemba, there is a legitimacy to the idea of a slow ramp up, strengthening situ like period. It is a legitimate thing. It isn't like BS. It's just he needs a really long one, and he's already gotten about a month and a half or so into it. He probably needs a two and a half to three month period. So I think maybe by the middle of January, he'll he's ready to go. And then, like you're saying, Sam, it's going to be a slow process. It's going to be 20 to 25 to 30. They might just cap him at 30 to 32 a night and make sure that he doesn't get stuck playing 40 minute games here. They're probably going to have to do that with so many other guys just because of the way the schedule is going to be this year. Um, although maybe the fact that they're not traveling between a lot of road games this year might help a lot because there's so many of those like you know two two games and three days situations at a road location so maybe the la- the less frequent travel will be helpful for a lot of these guys um but yeah i mean like the this team is gonna have to go really slow early in the regular season they start off the season with milwaukee and then brooklyn so we're trying to figure out like who's the four for this team and they have to face the two like best fours in the NBA and Giannis and Kevin Durant. So it's like they, I mean, I assume Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown is going to be covering those guys for the most part, which is why, even though we're thinking of Javante green starting as kind of at the four, he's really starting at the two and Tatum and Brown are going to slide up to guard the, you know, the bigger wings that most of these teams are facing, but they're in for a crazy test out of the gate. I wouldn't be surprised if this team kind of looks like a mess early on, especially because smart's going to be running point for this team. Um, and Tatum looked in the preseason, like he's trying to figure out what he can get away with basically this year. Uh, but you know, we saw in the bubble, like Tatum was kind of a mess. Those first few preseason he's a slow in the bubble. Then he was like a top five player in the league for like the rest of the bubble. So, you know, I'm pretty confident he's going to be playing at a all NBA level and I'm sure Brown will get there eventually, but their biggest question is how do they, how does the offense stay afloat throughout the game? And then can Marcus Smart continue to play at a borderline all-star level like he was for like 70% of the games in the bubble? Um, or can I just say 70% of a single game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, like Smart would have those games where he looks like one of the best players on the floor for, you know, 70% of the time. And then he makes a bunch of terrible plays and all of a sudden things fall apart. So, you know, now that he's entering his prime, can he really take control of his game, refine his game? and be balanced and smart enough that he can play like at the level the Celtics need him to. It's going to be very interesting to see where like the, the offense and how the offense kind of might change if it just turns into more of a focus on trying to get Jason Tatum looks. Brad Stevens likes to play a very egalitarian style of offense where it's just read and react. And 
Uh, we'll see maybe if the ball kind of just forces it into Tatum's hands more. I think the question is, you mentioned the tough schedule early for the Celtics uh, and how late Kem- like Kemba might actually start the season. The East is pretty stacked this year. Is it going to affect them in the standings? I don't know what the home court situation is going to be, but I don't know. Having the one or two seed is much better than having a, like a three or four seed where I hopefully they'll end up and having to play like a serious first round series. It just feels like they're, they're with Kemba's knee injury. They're kind of just building towards the, the playoff runs and how much does their record suffer when they're basically just waiting for Kemba to get back and trying to figure things out. The thing Brad Stevens said is with Javante Green starting, he's like, oh yeah, we're just going to cycle through that roster spot. Anyone can start at any time. It's just going to be 25 games of Brad experimenting with lineups, which is usually what he does to start the season. But normally he at least has a starting five. Now it's just like just throwing shit out against the wall and seeing what happens, which is kind of fun for me because it's, uh, it's going to be some variation to start the year. Uh, but I don't know what, what comes of it. I don't know if Brad does either. I, I can't wait for taco running point. It's going to be exciting. He tried so, it the other night. <laughs> <laughs> it did not go well as usual. So, okay, let's, let's leave this on what you were kind of hinting at there, which is, I mean, we're getting reports coming in now that Ben Simmons name has popped up in trade talks for the Houston Rockets. You know, the, apparently they're not close right now, but you'd be amazed how teams could get close throughout the process of trade talks. So even if James Harden does not get traded to the Sixers, which I don't think is going to change, I think they're already better than the Celtics at this point anyway. So we're over under Celtics seating position. Are Do you think they're going to get home court or do you, do you think that over under is like fourth or fifth seed or are they even lower than that? I don't think they're lower than that. I still think they're a very solid team. I think Jason Tatum's a very solid player. Uh, Jalen Brown is good. I think they're a good team, a very talented team. They're going to be strong defensively. Kemba being out might actually help their defense. I think a lineup with Smart, Brown, Tatum, Grant Williams, and then either Tice or Thompson is going to be a strong defensive team. I think they're going to play hard and be in the games. I just don't know. I think I can't figure it out. I think there's tiers. I think the Bucks, and I'll have to give it to the Damn heat culture who uh, got us in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. I think they'll are a little bit of like the top tier. I think it goes Bucks heat. But then after that, I just don't know what I to expect from like Kevin Durant's hurt. The Nets don't really have any guys who are playing defense. I don't know what exactly. I think the Sixers are going to be quite good. Uh, the Raptors, I don't think are going to be that good just because they lost or as good. Which uh, means they'll be just as good, of course. Well, it's of course Nick Nurse. The Blazers of the East. They always look like they're not a 51 T, but they're always a 51 T. And then, yeah, Nick Nurse is going to have them running like 17 different types of zones. And by the time they're just going <laughs> like, to walk into a three seed. So I think Celtics are pretty much anywhere from that three to six range of like, there's clearly the top six teams in the East. I don't think the Celtics are as good as the Bucks. Um, I still think they're more talented than Miami Heat. I'm very jaded over last year's Eastern Conference Finals. But I think they're, uh, if I'm extremely biased, I think they're anywhere from two to five or two to six. If I'm being realistic, I think it's like a more of a three to six range. If all things go well, they figure it out. I think they can get the three seed. If they really struggle to score without uh, Kemba, then I think they might not get home court advantage in the first round. Yeah, I'll say I, I don't think the Heat are going to play at that juggernaut level throughout the regular season because that required one Jimmy Butler to play like as absolute balls to the wall for 48 minutes a night. I just don't think it's sustainable throughout the regular season. Heat culture um, says it is. Heat culture says you show up <laughs> every single night. This is what we know about Heat culture. 
That is true. And let's not forget about Indiana. Indiana's roster is oh. still pretty intact, and they're going to get the bonus back. Automatic uh, TJ Warren. So I, I think Indiana could be pretty close to the Celtics still. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics fell to six or seven. Um, just because of the just because of the quality of the competition they're facing, but of course they could use their trade exception to bring in another like, really good starter. Over, oh, you, you mean know, the, the biggest line. trade exception ever? Yeah, that's right, folks. The twenty-eight point five million. I think they should biggest. be. I think they should get Aaron Gordon when the Magic have their fire sale, which really just better happen for the sake of that franchise. Uh, Aaron Gordon, I think, would be the perfect guy to add to a team with Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Cover up all of his faults, allow him to play to his strengths. You have that four that can guard the big guys like KD and Giannis. So I think that would be the perfect uh, guy from the go after. But, hey, we'll see what happens. I'm very uh, excited for well, player exception watch. My my dark horse uh, is DeJounte Murray. Don't know if the Spurs even want to trade him, but I just like him as a basketball player. I had him on my list of tar- top targets for them. So for sure. Well, that's that's going to do it. That's it for today's show. Uh, you better not forget about those other basketball shows that we have across the Athletic Podcast Network. We have your favorites like the Athletic NBA show. We've got No Dunks. We've got House of Strauss. We have Anything Is Potable featuring Sam Packard right here. And we have, it says over a dozen. I'm assuming we're still over a dozen team-specific shows available from some of your favorite athletic beat writers like Jay King. Uh, so don't forget to follow on the app. You can get notifications for new episodes and utilize that podcast episode comment section. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, which I swear to God, I will fight you if you're not, you're in luck because you can get all of our podcasts ad-free, plus some fantastic writing across all major sports, all for a super low price by going to theathletic.com slash daily ding. And you can give that other you can give that other sub. You get a sub. Your friend gets a sub, your wife gets a sub, your mistress gets a sub, your husband gets a sub, your mistress gets a sub. You can get a sub to your wife and your mistress. That's true. Buy one, get one free. That's right. So spread the joy this holiday season with The Athletic. That is theathletic.com slash daily ding. And thank you, as always, for waking up with us. Sam, take us out of here. I I don't know what that means. Is it the end of the show? Am I supposed to think, oh, ding, ding. Now I get it. (laughs) Smelts, do not edit that out. (laughs) I was not ready for that whatsoever.